Hello, good morning or afternoon or evening, wherever you are hearing us from. I am Sharon Roberson Pender and I'm the president and CEO of the Capital Region Minority Supply Development Council and the operator of the Virginia Minority Business Development Agency Business Center. As an organization, CRMSDC is one of 23 affiliates of the National Minority Supply Development Council, the nation's premier certifying body of minority businesses. Our mission, 50 years later, remained the same, and that is to certify, connect, develop, and advocate for and on behalf of minority-owned businesses. In today's episode, I'm so excited. We celebrate Women's History Month because we're telling her story, and we're doing this in this episode by featuring three dynamic business women business owners who are paving the way in the retail space. Not always an easy space, but a creative space. In a moment, I'll introduce you to each of them, but more importantly, we invite you to sit back, relax, and listen to this episode of Coffee, Tea, and Hot Sauce. Coffee, Tea, and Hot Sauce. You'll learn more about how they've made inroads and how they have beaten the odds and continue to beat the odds in this ever-challenging and changing industry. But before I get started on our panelists, let me take time to recognize those folks who are responsible of making this podcast happen. Thank you to our title sponsors, Exelon, which for us is comprised of BGE and Exelon Company, Pepco and Exelon Company, Capital One, Mass Mutual, Amcus, SB and Company, Tidings and Rosenberg LLP, and the Virginia MBDA Business Center. So let me introduce the panelists for today. I'm going to bring them on one by one. And the first person I want to tell you about is Savannah Mitchell, and she's president of Sunday Morning Roasting Company. I want to hear about how it became Sunday morning and not Saturday night or Friday night. Savannah Mitchell is president, as I said, of Sunday Morning Roasting Company. She received her education from Howard University, majoring in business administration with a focus on hospitality management. Shortly after graduation, Savannah started her own catering and events planning company and dove into the deep end of entrepreneurship. She has won dozens of small contracts and opened up a small delicatessen where she served gourmet um, soups, sandwiches, coffees, and desserts part-time and worked a full-time job. But after years of traveling the world, searching for the most premium and sustainable coffee bean farmers, she discovered a fair trade roaster that aligned with her integrity and values. Nine months after opening her business, she became certified by us and the brand she has successfully launched. Um, she be, has become a supplier for Amazon, Walmart, Wegmans, Staples, and other private firms, restaurants, and hotels. And she's been featured on air, um, whether it's um, Channel 7, NBC4, or the Afro, just to name a few. So ladies and gentlemen, Savannah Mitchell. Hello, Savannah. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, as you stated, <laughs> President Pender. Yes, it is absolutely my pleasure to be here. Okay, and I'm going to introduce a couple more of your sisters uh, in the retail space. I'm going to now bring on Aikisha Little, president of the Sweet Tea of the Sweet Life of Tea. The Sweet Life of Tea. Um, she has a bachelor's degree in MBA in accounting. 
Additionally, she has over 20 years of experience in operational accounting and also serves as a certified financial life coach, a certified tax, a tax consultant, and a certified bookkeeper. So her, her finances will always be in order. She began this tea journey once she visited a tea room and she served loose leaf tea. And she was served loose leaf tea, rather. She became committed to learning everything she could about tea, um, from collecting teaware to taking classes, learning about the healthy benefits of tea. In 2022, so she's a new launcher, the Sweet Life of Tea was launched. Her company creates and sells custom tea blends to soothe the body, mind, and soul. And she hosts afternoon tea parties. I don't want to go to one, one of those. She has blending workshops and teaches tea etiquette. Do we have to like hold our finger up? The motto is we drink to live and live to drink. Ladies and gentlemen, Aikisha. Hello. Hello. And we're going to bring on one other um, sister here um, in the retail space. And that is Tracy Tisdale Richardson, co-founder and CEO of Lilies of Charleston. So Tracy is the co-founder of and CEO of Lilies of Charleston. She is also a graduate of the other HU Hampton. Well, we're not gonna have that discussion today, Howard and Hampton, and holds a master's degree from Carnegie Mellon, Mellon University, Heinz School of Public Policy and Arts Management and the Harrington School of Design. Tracy has led her family specialty food company, Lilies of Charleston, since 2001, where they specialize in hot sauces, and I've had some barbecue sauces, yes, seasoning mixes. Her entrepreneurial venture was co-founded by her sister, Kelly Wicker, using the recipes of their father's restaurant in Charleston, South Carolina, called The Rib Shack. In 2010, mm. the sisters won first place in the Scobie Awards for their hot mustard barbecue um, sauce, and I got that in my pantry too, called Have Mercy. I gotta see if I'm saying that right. Don't you love that name? She's a self-proclaimed foodie. She combines her love of design and food at her company's Lilia Charleston's company motto is may you never feel unwanted, unloved, or hungry. Let's bring on Tracy. Greetings, everybody. How's everybody? Okay. So ladies, thank you so much for doing this. Coffee, tea, and hot sauce. Um, and we want to we spend this time, of course, learning about your decision to, to go to entrepreneurs. Because when reading your backgrounds, the one thing that came clear for me, what rang, was that there was some preparation in your life mm -hmm. in terms of being able to use whether it was your, you know, your accounting background, your design background, you know, um, your, your, your degree of um, where, you know, that you attended college and those things that you've done. And then some point in your life, you decided to become an entrepreneur. In your case, Tracy, um, entrepreneurship was in your family in terms of your father's business. Um, Savannah, you look like you were on a mission. And so, uh, Keisha, you you as well. And so first, let's talk, um, if we could, uh, about what kind of inspired you to start that business in the retail space. And Savannah, let's start with you. Well, thank you so much. This is such a great question. Uh, I am a first generation entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So I grew up in a very middle-class, solid middle-class two-parent household where everyone had a job. And I remember as a little girl, 
I always played on the floor with my dolls and tea sets. I had these lavish tea parties and coffee parties. And I would invite all my brothers and sisters because I'm the youngest of seven. And literally, I watched all of them finish school and get jobs. And I remember in my tea parties, I used to say, this cannot be it. It has to be more to life than just that. And I knew going into high school when guidance counselors asked, well, what do you want to do for a living? And I said, I don't know. I just love having these tea parties and these coffees, socials. And she said, well, that's called hospitality. And so at that time, this was pre-internet, I went to the library and stayed the entire weekend at the library until I had discovered this commercial that had these cherry blossoms. And I said, what's a cherry blossom? Went back to the library, looked up for schools that had cherry blossoms and the great Howard University showed up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so at the time, Howard had a full service hospitality program. So I knew once I had been accepted into Howard, they had a full service hotel, that entrepreneurship was going to be the way for me. So it was never a question in my mind. It was a matter of when. Savannah, where did you grow up? I grew up in upstate New York. Okay. So you made your way down to DC in order to do that. So I'm going to come back to you in a moment because I'm real curious as to the tea parties, how that translated to the to the to the coffee piece and where you I don't know about you but growing up I could you know it was a couple uh, and I'm telling my age but there was a couple things you smelled in the morning you smelled coffee and for in my household you smell cigarettes but uh, <laughs> there was <laughs> and I have seven roots and so uh, that's the kind of thing that you kind of smelled in, in the morning I'm gonna come back in, in the coffee piece in just a moment and um Keisha, let's go to you because I, you know, I don't, you know, you know, black don't crack, but you kind of look a little young to me, and so, <laughs> in that sense, and so I am intrigued and impressed that in 2022 that you decided to start the Sweet Tea of Life, and so give us some sense of what um, that was for you, that decision to, you know, you, you're at. Um, let me see, what school were you in? You were at Hampton. No, Bennett College. Aikisha, can you? I'm sorry. It looks like Aikisha may be a little bit frozen. Aikisha, can you hear me? I can. Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Can you hear me? Uh, now we can hear you. I was asking you about um, your life journey because for you, you were entrenched in finances. So somewhere along the line, you were one of the smart girls who sat in the front of the class and you knew all the math answers. <laughs> and you went to, <laughs> that's a talent and skill. And you're blessed with understanding the ins and outs of the finance world. How did you translate that into then going into business? So as an operational accountant analyst at a law firm in DC, okay. um, I guess my journey is a little bit linked to um, Savannah's. Um, I was at work and I don't really like coffee, but I can drink um, coffee if I add a lot of flavor, um, French vanilla cream in it and sugar. So people would like swarm around me and watch me make my coffee because I would add like 12 packs of sugar to six to eight ounces of French vanilla cream to 
four ounces of coffee. So it all piled back to my childhood when I liked um, to add sugar in my milk. And so people were like, you should drink tea. And so you won't have to um, add so much cream and sugar to your coffee. <laughs> and during so, I tried the tea and I didn't like it. So um, I was like, what's the point if I have to still add cream and sugar to my tea? So I fell in love with um, afternoon tea wear. And so as I would watch it, it would really like make my heart smile. So it would calm my mind, my spirit. And so a coworker and I attended a local tea room. And when the server came, she asked, what kind of tea do you like? And I said, well, I don't like tea. Can you serve me the tea that you would serve a child? And so she served me this tea and as I drank it, I was like, wow, I didn't have to add any sugar, any honey or anything to it. And so what I've learned is that I like loose leaf organic tea. So, um, so I was wondering the comparison between the two. Okay. So the pandemic happened. This was at the heart of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So the pandemic happened. We were home working. And so I just started studying loose leaf tea and um, watching all of Jane Austen's movies that were coming on. So I'm falling in love with the afternoon tea wear. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have to have that set. I have to find that set, you know. And so the more and more I wanted the um, afternoon tea where I wanted to learn about tea. So I started attending uh, more, um, more tea about tasting tea. classes. Mm-hmm. So I started okay. to um, okay. take very tea good. tasting classes. Yeah. Okay. Very- Okay, very, very good. Akish, can you hear me okay? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so you you were, um, you said, with, with an accounting firm, correct? Did you find yeah. that? No, final, law firm. Uh, we were law firm, but you were doing the accounting piece for it? Okay. Yes. Did you find that that helped you in terms of your decision to go into business? Um, the pandemic did. Okay. But your financial background helped you? Oh, yeah. So I was able to um, do all the financial paperwork that you all needed for the certification process. And it was easier for me because I have my accounting background. Okay. One last question, um, Aikisha. Where did you go to school? Where did you get your MBA? Uh, I got my MBA from UDC and I went to Bennett College for undergrad. Okay. That's what I did not have. Now I'm going over to the Hampton University graduate. And that's Tracy Richardson, Lilies of Char- um, Charleston. And full disclosure, um, I, I, I have your products in my house. I'm going to have everybody else's as well. But um, I know that, uh, Tracy, you have been at, at this for a minute. And so as we talked to Savannah in terms of the hospitality piece, which was kind of like a transition for her, but she always knew she wanted to go into business. The pandemic influenced Akisha. Was your father's business that, and and the, the opportunity to go into business with your sister that influence for you? Yes, definitely. Okay. Um, and so we started in uh, the Lilies of Charleston piece in 2001, but the story actually goes back much, much further with my father who grew up as a short order cook, cooking in the kitchen with his, his mother and his aunt Lily, who we named the company after. Ah, okay. So, you know, food as a Southern family, he was in the service in New Jersey. We'd spent our Sunday dinners with Aunt Lily 
Um, and we were basically at her table all the time as a second generation, basically eating, cooking with love and just spending time as family. Um, and so that's where that whole, our whole motto comes from, the whole name of the company. Um, and so he had his restaurant in the mid 80s uh, in downtown Charleston on King Street, which is the main strip of town. And so when the restaurant closed, people were still asking for all of his um, sauces and spices. because These are all his original recipes. So it's, um, it's, it's literally the secret sauce. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So my sister and I in 2001 said, well, let's let's just follow it because we, you know, we didn't want to do that hard work anymore of being a restaurateur and, you know, doing that uh, endless hours. We were like, we could still do something to honor that and to, um, you know, sell the sauces. And that's kind of how we got started. And what year was that? That was 2001. Okay. I'm impressed with your background in terms of Carnegie Mellon and um, what you did um, as a graduate of of, um, of Hampton. How did that influence, I mean, how did that help in that preparation of entrepreneurship for you? Yeah, so my background is in arts and um, arts management. Mm -hmm. That's how that started, um, you know, because I have a creative background. Um, and so you can see, like, from our background, like the labels and some of the design work, um, a lot of the marketing, um, that's where my influence comes. Um, it's a family-owned business, so my husband has background in, um, in product management. My sister has a background also in marketing um, and doing like some more like finance supply chain. So everybody has their strength that they're able to um, put, bring a piece of, of their strength to the table. And you decided to name it at Lily's after your aunt Lily. Um, did what did she think about that? She actually, unfortunately, she was not around when we okay. first started. She okay. had started to her health had started to decline. She had dementia, and we weren't able to tell her. Um, mm -hmm. But we know she'd be very proud because when we graduated college, she was so excited and proud of us as women to have made you know such progress. In our lifetime that she was not able to you know to do she didn't attend college um but she was very very proud of us okay i want to come back in a moment just to talk about how you you went from um duplicating your father's recipe to the whole line and we're looking at behind mm -hmm. you and you can get supersized too um of stuff <laughs> that, you, <laughs> that you have and 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 how you come up so i'm hearing your sister's marketing your husband's product development and and some of the I love the names of and I want to talk about some of the names of your your products as well. But Savannah, let's go back to you for just a moment in terms of how how did you come up with Sunday Morning Roasting Company? And given the coffee business, um, how did you decide? How 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 have you been um, successful in competing in that space? Mm -hmm. So although I loved my tea sets, it was always filled with coffee, always. Mm -hmm. uh, coffee's always <laughs> the choice. Um, back in the day, they had subscriptions in the back of magazines. So I would look on the back of Good Housekeeping mm -hmm. and Southern Living, and you could really subscribe. And I was 13 with my first coffee subscription to International Coffees and to wow. Javelia. 
So this goes along with that. I remember that one. Yes. Do you remember? (laughs) Had the nice red and white and blue. That those were the original coffee subscriptions. And so at 13, I had my first subscriptions. So that's why the coffee parties were always in my finest tea sets. And uh, I knew that on Sundays, it's interesting, listen to Tracy, Sundays are coveted for our family. Mm-hmm. That was the day we had the lavish spreads. Mom would cook all day Saturday after straight yes. washing and straightening the hair. And yeah. right after church, we We're all run home. Yes. That is <laughs> sacred. And that's when we were able to use the fine china. Mm-hmm. And that is when life seemed to just be in perfect alignment. Mm-hmm. So when I finally settled on the perfect coffee bean, there is no hour better in the seven days a week than Sunday morning. Oh, I love that. That's where it is. Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's where it is. That's so where it we is. give our customers that Sunday morning experience in every cup. Okay. And you travel, I read where you traveled. Um, and so you were that person in the library, always researching, always doing something. Um, you were driven. And so you literally tell us about that in terms of in search of the, that, that coffee that would be, um, that would be good enough, um, to, for you to product size. Sheer determination because Mm -hmm. coffee is a white male dominated industry. Okay. And so when I'm coming in asking, can I meet your roaster? Can I take a tour? They're looking at me as if they've seen someone else from a different planet. Um, yes. But that didn't matter to me because I knew what I was there for. And so I got a lot of no's. And all of those rejections literally fueled me to get to every yes that I got to. Mm. So that's why I really want to encourage when you hear that no, you should celebrate. Because mm-hmm. that no is pushing you to that yes. And the few quality yeses I've gotten got me to the perfect roaster that aligns with our company. So I think every one, every one of those roasters that denied me interest and every one of the coffee fields that would not allow me, I thank them because if it had not been for that, I may have been with the wrong partners. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate um, knowing and, and sharing that determination is essential because you are, you're going to need that to make sure that what you really believe in, everyone understands. And so finding that roaster was really easy because of that determination. It pushed me right to him. And it sounds like preparation and determination and understanding that no's are of value in the building of your, your, your company um, sounds essential as well. Absolutely, President Pender, because you have to build up a certain level of resilience. Resilience, you have to have that in, in being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You have to have that hide where that stuff doesn't penetrate your power. And that is so, and is it, don't you find that it's especially that message that that you're saying, I see that as headlines because as women, we, we tend to be sensitive to that piece, but as an entrepreneur, there's no room for it. But is is that what I'm hearing from you? 
I'm, I'm seeing emphatically not her head too, right? Yes. Yeah. Emphatically, um, we cannot afford to allow a word from another human being to cross over into who we know we are. Say that again. Yes. We yes. cannot afford to allow a word from another human being to cross over into who we know we are. You know what? You know what? It could not. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking because um, I'm, I'm dealing with my granddaughter and self-esteem. We, we need to teach that, right? Um, early on because we're, we're taught sometimes to, not, to be as, you know, little... Um, you know, on the sideline, we're taught not to, to like be forceful in that and, and just as the, the nature of who we are. But I love that. And that's a great, great lesson. Um, and so thank you for kind of share of sharing that. So tell me in, in terms of the, the, the setup that you have, because um, you, the team that you've had to amass in order to get the, your done, the relationships with vendors, um, I would imagine the, the manufacturing part, how long did that take you to actually put in place? Um, it probably took me about six or so months mm-hmm. to finally, because again, I, I'm a planner. When you have a plan, you work the plan. So I didn't just wake up and decide to do this. I knew what I was looking for. I knew also my philosophy. I do not settle for anything. If it does not align with what my goals and my values are, it is just a no. So mm-hmm. when you're confident in who you are and what you are, you don't settle. You just keep going until you get exactly what you want. And I encourage that in every area of life. You should never settle for anything. Mm-hmm. So that's why the team we have works because I didn't settle anywhere. The relationships we have, our partnerships, oh they work. And, and so that applies in every area of the business. Okay. That's perfect. Tracy, how, how do you relate to what Savannah has said in terms of the building of your business? And how did you start with just your your um, your key product of your, of your dad's sauce and parlay that into the that fabulous line? I mean, you look like um, you rival McCormick's to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed out of my mind. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, I agree with everything Savannah has been uh, saying and, and, you know, uh, stand behind because it does take, it takes time. Um, you know, I, t- I joke with people, we're 20 year, 21 year overnight success, you know. <laughs> so it takes time to build, you know, we started with, my husband has a background also in research and development chemistry. So he, wow. he stood next to my dad, watched him make the recipes when he wrote it down. And then we had to take it from that stage where you make it at home to a co-packing. And we started really with like the retail sizes. So we took it and we started with one co-packer. Um, you know, we were able to do tasting. It takes several months a lot of time to make sure that the flavor and that the ingredients, we're all macro. A lot of our products are low in sodium. Um, we had to make sure that some of the products that we would get on the shelf he could source in a larger scale, you know, so it takes a little time to sort of build. Um, and we did, first we started with retail, next we moved into food service, um, and then now we're in up to about four co-packers and building. So it takes a lot of time to be able to do a supply chain because 
we're national at Cisco. You know, we do a lot of um, retail distributors. So it takes time to, you know, to build that infrastructure. Yeah, it sounds like it. So you're, you're still headquartered in South Carolina? Yes, in Charleston. In Charleston. And do you, um, and so are, have you um, extended beyond that point in terms of locations or you're, you're still there? Uh, no, we're still in headquarters. This is where our office is. But mm -hmm. a lot of our co-packers are all over the country. So you've got one in Alabama, okay. one in Illinois, two here in the South Carolina region. Um, and then we're growing, like I said, with some additional that co-packers we're looking at today because we want to, we're expanding our product line because we now do um, popcorn uh, with our seasoning on it. So, um, is know. that right? Okay. <laughs> okay. So we can go to everybody's website to find out more about that. Right. And so right. Um, Savannah talked about um, she's very sounds like she's very I get the impression that she's very organized um, and and she's a visionary in terms of how um, she sees things in terms of moving forward. How did you make the decisions um, around when it was time um, to expand that line? And then um, I, I also want to talk to both of you all about how did you survive um, COVID? But how did um, how did you make the decision as to when it was time to expand? And I, Aisha, I'm, I'm coming um, to you. I know that you're the, the newest product person, um, and, I, and I'm hoping that there are some lessons in, in the, what we're hearing today as well. Tracy, I'm I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to listening to it and reaching out to both of them. Mm -hmm. Mentorship for some um, advice on product management as well, but. Um, Speaking of hospitality, I had an opportunity to um, work with a local GM in DC who wants to um, give my samples out in a gift set to sell to their um, VIP guests when they book in groups. So that's one thing that I'm excited about. Um, Very good. To have my product um, to local organizations and um organizations in other um, states as well that will be staying at that hotel and they will all get my products. So oh, that's, that's wonderful. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. I'm sure these ladies can tell you about in terms of when, you know, when, who was your first retail, um, Savannah? Where did you first go in? Wegmans. Wegmans. Okay. Wow. And, and Tracy, as, um, as I was, if I can come back to the, the, the question around how did you make the decision when it was time to launch those product lines? Yeah, a lot of it happened organically because um, we would be, you know, we started out with the hot sauce um, and with the two mustard barbecue sauces, like you said, Hat Mussy um, is our hot mustard yeah, barbecue. Say that right, Hat Mussy. <laughs> yes, yeah, you're right, Hot Mussy. <laughs> and then the Finger Leakin is our um, mild mustard barbecue. We started out with just those three. Um, and Low Country Loco is our hot sauce. Um, <clears throat> sorry, four, because we did a, uh, a mild version and a hot version, and our mild version of our hot sauce is special blend. And so we started out with just those, and we would sell it in the like, local marketplaces, regional grocery stores like Food Lion and Harris Teeter and Publix are some of our first grocery stores. We started with that. And then as we do samplings um, at festivals, we had mm -hmm. to figure out how do we introduce our spices. And so we couldn't cook up chicken for one of the festivals with like 40,000 people were coming. 
And we were like, oh, we better put this on popcorn or something like that. And that's how we got into the popcorn because people mm. kind of lost their minds with wow. the uh, seasoned popcorn. They're like, this is really good. And mm-hmm. we're selling the seasoning for them to take home and put it on whatever protein they wanted. And they wanted to put it on their own popcorn. So that's okay. really I can I can certainly imagine imagine that, um, and so how is it, Tracy, in terms of um, working with family, working with your husband, working with your sister? How's that? It's actually it's great because you know as you, as you all know when I've been in the workforce for you know I'm not even to date myself many 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 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you work with people outside of your family, mm-hmm. and you know the you know the challenges of. You know, having to, you know, be able to to showcase yourself and, you know, wanting to be promoted and, you know, having an idea that people don't want to, you know, align with. Um, or, give, or give you credit for. I get it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So it's so much more pleasurable to be able to work with families who have some of the same goals, who want some of the same things for yourself, for themselves. Um, and we and our dream is to create a legacy for the next generation. Okay. That's what it's about. Okay. Well, um, Akisha, it, it seems like you had the wherewithal to not only um, look at the tea side of it, but um, who's your tar- target audience for the etiquette side? It's like, am I holding it correctly? <laughs> who's, who's your target audience for that? And how's that the, working? The target audience for that side are the youth. Um, and it started with um, a cousin because it wasn't my focus. Um, tea, actually selling tea wasn't my focus. Um, I wanted to teach tea ceremony to my family and friends and I was learning about it um, during the pandemic. But because okay. I would make, I would have them on afternoon tea parties on Zoom and I would make custom blends for them and drop it off and deliver it to them. And so my cousin wanted to... Um, have a tea party for her granddaughter and they wanted to go to a local um, tea etiquette person, but she wasn't available. So she was like, you're always sharing about tea and talking about tea etiquette online. Can you come and host our tea party? And I was like, oh no. And so um, I started studying about tea etiquette and hosted the party for five-year-olds and, and that's how it started. And so actually um, host the events for um, local organizations as well via Zoom when we were still in the pandemic and had tea history and tea etiquette where I would teach them the place setting, afternoon tea history. So, but it started from my cousin asking me to be a tea etiquette and party host for her granddaughter's birthday party. Hmm, sound like a franchising idea to me. <laughs> so, um, where do you see it? Um, it? I know you just started in 2022, but what's the end goal for you? You know, how do you claim success? My end goal for me is to be global. Um, mm-hmm. I want everyone to experience the healthy benefits of tea. I mean, it can help you, the herbal blends too. Mostly I sell herbal tea blends. Um, I have people calling telling me that their body feels better. They're relaxed when they're drinking my teas. Um, They had a cold and they felt better instantly overnight. And my goal is to help everyone become a tea lover like myself. 
when I have my 10-year-old son asking me to make mint tea for him when he didn't like tea at first like me. So mm -hmm. that is what gives me joy. Um, I have a best friend who was like me that said that tea tastes like water to her. But when I, I have a signature blend called Lady Akeisha, it's all of my favorite herbs mixed together to help with your... Um, different health elements that I was dealing with at the time. And so when she tried it, she was like, oh, wow, this is good. And I was like, I made it. Like to have someone like me say that they enjoyed the tea, mm -hmm. I felt like that was a sense of accomplishment um, for her and my son. Because the majority of my friends and family are tea lovers. So they like the tea blends that I make. But to have someone become a tea lover or enjoy a tea blend that I made, is what gives me um, a great satisfaction. Great satisfaction. Well, yes. Good for you. You're, you're so <laughs> inspiring. So your teas are mostly uh, used for as hot teas. Do you also do the um, the iced teas as well? So um, majority of my tea blends can be iced or served hot. Mm -hmm. um, Lady Akeisha and Blue Ivy Mint Tea. I take those to um, vending events where I would serve them in tasting cups, cold chilled and i would record people tasting it i had one girl dancing she was just like oh my god this is so good and started dancing around the table so mm -hmm. um so i usually um would blend a sample and have them um at the vending events and serve them to um potential customers okay my <laughs> mother is um be 96 in may and she is a sweet tea fanatic and mm -hmm. so to the if you ever get to the point that you're selling half gallons or something of sweet tea, let me know. Okay. <laughs> you have an instant customer. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. This is just wonderful. Savannah, um, anything else you'd like to add in terms of you've given us some great nuggets. Um, anything else that in terms of where do you where where do you see um, Sunday morning roasting company going? What's next steps for you? So our next steps uh, is to definitely be inside more of our Fortune 50, Fortune 10, and 5 offices, and also to their team members as companies continue to have remote uh, staff, which we truly believe will be the permanent hybrid scenario where we have many of our corporate partners, they order a coffee to send to their remote um, team members because again it's quality they are providing that experience to assist with great performance it's amazing how when you see coffee breaks that it is a reset that's what the whole concept was that having coffee break rooms or kitchens inside offices was to allow team members to go in and kind of reset and one of the things that we saw was in that's those five minutes if you have a quality cup of coffee mm. it is amazing the difference of the mindset going back into that project going back into that meeting uh, think about coffee is one of the few things people drink when it's bad the strangest phenomenon but people literally drink intentionally bad coffee it's one of the few things. And so that's what we often are faced with is people, especially in the black community, there's a huge educational gap about coffee and tea, Aikisha, that our 
culture, we're not aware of the power of the commodities of coffee and tea. Mm. This has mm-hmm. been centuries old since the beginning. Mm-hmm. The birthplace of coffee and tea is, is Africa, Ethiopia. That's yes. where it begins. So yeah. we don't realize how powerful that was in the trade slave. And so it's important for us to know and understand the power of the history of the coffee and also it's a multi-trillion dollar business. Yes, right. Multi-trillion dollar business. Mm-hmm. And we are nowhere in those percentages. So our company is only one of 9% of black women-owned coffee companies in the country. So we are really important in uh, really prioritizing, educating the community, especially communities of color, about coffee and tea, because that often gets you the invitation to that meeting. Yeah. So I, I want you all, as you move into the future, I, um, I, I need you all to come up with a menopause solution of coffee and tea. Okay. I do have a blend. Oh, okay, thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Tracy, where, where are you going in the future? <laughs> so we have big, big dreams. I would love for our company to be one of the top CPG consumer product goods companies in America. We're expanding in our condiments line. We've got some sugar-free products we were hoping to introduce soon. We've expanded with the recent Chucktown Stinger Sauce, which is our hot sauce and honey, which is on trend with, you know, the hot honey. Um, we're looking at doing rice. So we want to expand, um, you know, popcorns, which are now going to be in snacks. So we want to be across all the grocery aisles with Lilies of Charleston. Very good. Listen, I applaud all of you. I really applaud. I'm just so, so blessed to have the opportunity to have this conversation. But before before you leave, if I can just ask you one more thing, because sometimes we wanna kind of share, all of you are certified with the um, National Minority Supply Development Council. You know, we of course are the Capital Region Minority Supply Development Council. Is there any advice that you can give other minority owned businesses in terms of their involvement with the council? I would certainly appreciate that. Anyone like to begin with that? I can certainly begin um, maximize this certification. First of all, the certification is the differentiator. That is number one. So when you go into that table, you should make sure that that is stated in your first 30 seconds because it is nationally known. Second, the other side of that is most companies you're probably going up against to compete cannot get the certification. So you really need to maximize you having that. Also the opportunities for education to network, to collaborate, to joint venture is plenteous. Please do not skip over the emails. Respond to the emails, connect. The directory is available to you. Ensure you're in the directory. So you wanna maximize the resources that NMSDC provides you every day. Okay, thank you. Anyone else like to share? Yes, I would say that it's, echo again everything Savannah says um, but I want to add that make sure you are present make sure you have every council that you are involved in knows who you are that you attend meetings that you go to matchmaking that is how you get in the forefront the CRMSDC has been 
instrumental in getting us in so many different accounts. And just because they are aware that we are present um, and that they can use our products to give in gift baskets. It's just a phenomenal opportunity for, for awareness and um, people to know who you are. Okay. Now, Keisha, I know that you're relatively new. Any advice for folks thinking about certification? I would say have your finances in order first. <laughs> because you definitely need your finances in order in order to be accepted into the program. But I definitely agree. It's a differentiator and awareness. I was able to donate some tea samples at the party um, last year. Um, also, um, working with people, they ask, are you certified? So I'm currently working with an organization and they wanted to know that I had my clean um, hand certification and was that also certificate and also any certification. So I was able to tell them that I had my minority business um, certification and women's business certification. So okay. that already gave me extra points um, to be considered for the um, opportunity to work with them as a tea vendor for my, my company. Well, very, very good. Yes. Very, very good. This has been a pleasure. I hope this is not our last conversation, ladies. Um, it'd be great to just get together. And I'm going to get me some coffee. I'm going to taste some tea and popcorn with the sauce. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. Thank you again for, um, for all you do, for making the sacrifice to be entrepreneurs um, and um, in order to um, help create, uh, close that gap in terms of um, creating wealth in this country. You are to be congratulated and to be admired and we appreciate you so much. So thank you. Thank you very, very much. And thank ladies you. and gentlemen, this concludes the conversation with coffee, tea and hot sauce um, as we um, end this episode of um, Hot Chat. But before we go, I'd like to make sure um, again that we thank our um, sponsors as we wrap this up and i'd like to um let's uh, for those who are listening and, and don't have the visual um for you to see who we're talking about aarp amazon at&t vae systems um bwi thurgood marshall um airport cigna the city of baltimore the dc department of small local business development dominion energy fielison group fannie mae freddie mac FRS, um, the Hilton Hotel, the Huntington Ingalls Industry, uh, Horseshoe, Lidos, Lockheed Martin, M&T Bank, the State of Maryland Governor's Office of Small and Minority Businesses, McCormick, Northrop Grumman, Parsons, Peapod, Prince George's County Office of Central Services, Proven Management, SAIC, Sodexo, T. Rowe Price, Truist, the United States Postal Service, the University of Maryland College Park, the University of Maryland Global Campus, Washington Gas, the Metro, Zillion Technologies, and Zones. To learn more about our upcoming programs, visit our website at www.crmsdc.org. Or if you've missed any of our pot, uh, past Hot Chat podcasts, and, and we've done a few, whether it was Kathy Hughes, which we've gotten great feedback on that, or Bob Johnson, or um, um, Emmett Smith, Smith or others, you can go to www.crmsdccares.com.
www.thebrightsidebible.com. But any of those websites, you can get that. If Don't forget to like us, follow us, and share this episode on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. You may also subscribe to our channel on YouTube at CRMSCC is our handle and notifications on upcoming discussions. And don't forget that our podcast can be also listened to on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Before I close, let me extend a special thanks to our Coronavirus Response and Relief Center and our media production team behind the scenes. So thank you to our executive producer, Sonia Bigelow-Smith, our creative director, Nicole um, Miles, our production um, folks with, of course, Renee Sanford and Graybo Solutions for making this an exciting episode today. And so until next time, we don't know what we're going to do. Coffee, tea, and hot sauce. Hmm. See you next time.